0: This week's episode contains discussions on suicide. If you or anyone you know is in need of help, please contact the National Suicide Lifeline. It's free and it's confidential. You can call 988. You can also visit 988lifeline.org. You are not alone. Darker Days of Dorothy Gale Aftermath for Episode 33 Chapter 28, The Dark Wood, and Canto 13 of Dante's Inferno, Violence Ring 2, The Suicides. Welcome back to another episode of This. This show that I like to call Dark Days of Dorothy Gale. Sometimes Darker Days of Dorothy Gale. Usually I try to make the intros to these aftermaths a little snappy. Maybe maybe bring a little bit of levity to it before getting into the really depressing stuff. Usually, these intros are also scripted. This week, it's a little bit different. I don't have anything of real levity to say here, nothing snappy or particularly witty. And this portion is not scripted, so it sounds a little bit different, I guess. There's really nothing particularly hopeful about this chapter in Canto this week. And so I really didn't feel like writing anything uplifting about it. You know, I've read The Inferno a couple of times. Reading it for this podcast actually probably marks the third time. And this is the first time I've ever really gotten into what this poem means. Really gotten into the history and taken a look at Dante's perspective. This is the most meaningful reading I've ever done for this epic poem. The Dark Wood of Suicide has always been one of the more memorable aspects to me. And the topic of suicide is one that I take very, very seriously. So this week, it's going to be a little bit depressing. So let's get into it. In Canto Thirteen of the Inferno, Dante's world grows dark. The poets find themselves in the dark wood of suicide, a strange forest of twisted and mangled trees. This is the second ring of the seventh circle, violence against oneself. Upon arrival, Dante is surprised to find it lacking in souls especially since the other circles were very well populated. He can hear the cries of the damned and assumes they're all hiding amongst the strange trees that grow here. Virgil knows what Dante is thinking. He also knows that in this case, seeing is believing. He instructs Dante to pull a small branch from a nearby tree. It begins to cry, and where the branch was broken, it bleeds. It asks the pilgrim why he would do such a thing, asks if he has no pity. Virgil feels immense guilt for instructing his follower to cause such anguish, but tells the tree that Dante would not have believed him otherwise. For this, he asks the tree to tell Dante his story, so that when the traveler returns to Earth, he can tell others about it and give him some sort of remembrance in the world above. The tree, Pietro della Vigna. I I know, I probably mispronounced that, but as usual, you're just gonna have to kind of put up with it, and I apologize. Anyways, the tree gives Dante a long-winded story of how he worked for Emperor Frederick II. He was smart, successful, and enviable. And for that, rumors spread that he was wealthier than the emperor himself. Frederick didn't much care for that notion, so he had Pietro thrown in jail. And to add insult to injury, he had Pietro's eyes ripped from his head. Pietro, with nothing left, least of all his will to live, killed himself in his jail cell, by beating his head against the wall. I've said it before, I'll say it again. I'm always one to question history. Stories, they get told, then retold, and retold again. Maybe things are embellished to make a point or scare others straight. Or maybe they're told with a little extra gusto and machismo in order to make the hero seem that much more heroic. In this case, and in the case of many of the sinners we will encounter here, I'm willing to accept these stories as largely true. This period seemed legitimately savage and fear-stricken. A time when old philosophies were merging with newer religions, Tyrannical leaders waged wars in conquered lands, because that's simply how the world worked. I take a largely opposite approach to believing most stories told of mountain men and gunslingers in the Wild West. Macho men sitting around a campfire or in a saloon somewhere, trying to one-up each other. I'm sure every single word of a man that survives a bear attack or campers that fought off hordes of raiding Native Americans or gunslingers that could blindly shoot enemies straight between the eyes were all true. I just know it. Don't you? Anyways, I digress. Pietro killed himself, and he told Dante his story. As they continue through the dark wood, they see two men running from a pack of hounds. One of the men jumps into a bush in a failed attempt to hide. The dogs catch up to him and rip him limb from limb, carrying the pieces of him off as the bush laments the man's decision to use him as a place of refuge. The two men being chased by the hounds are not suicides in the most literal sense. Instead, they are spendthrifts. These men are men that recklessly destroyed their own lives through carelessly squandering their wealth and livelihoods. They are different than the spendthrifts we saw earlier in Circle 4, however. Circle 4 was still in the realm of incontinence meaning the sins there were a product of low self-control and oftentimes crimes of passion. Here, in Circle 7, violence, the sins are brought on by malice. They are conscious and intentional choices. The dark wood of suicide is also home to the harpies. They nest in the trees and feast on the branches and leaves forever tormenting those relegated to this damned circle. The theology behind the trees in general is also interesting. As these sinners threw their lives away, denying themselves the gift of the human body on earth, they are forever denied human form in hell. When Judgment Day comes, however, these souls will be reunited with their bodies but will not be allowed to inhabit them. Instead, their corpses will be hung from the trees as a constant reminder of what they gave up. Dante and Virgil look upon many of these damned souls with a great amount of pity and sympathy. A lot of people look at suicide as nothing but a final selfish act, They hear the word suicide, and it brings up more anger than understanding, even if they didn't know the victim. Dante's understanding of the topic is admirable, to say the least. For him, it's less, how could you? And more, I'm sorry for what you're going through. Still, These fallen souls broke the rules, and so they must pay for their crimes. Dante takes more of a hate-the-sin, not-the-sinner approach here, though he seemingly has no sympathy for the two wasteful and reckless souls that get ripped apart. In Chapter 28 of Darker Days of Dorothy Gale, we find Dorothy... Dante, in this case, and Vel, Virgil, in the dark wood. This chapter is one of the more direct representations of Dante's vision, though I've still taken a few liberties. The trees here are gnarled and twisted. They grow close together and are intertwined with each other. Their leaves are vibrant green, and pixies, instead of harpies, feed on them. When a branch is broken or a leaf pulled, the trees cry and bleed. Dorothy is tired and begging for a break. Vel is less than happy to oblige here, knowing the forest is a terrible place to rest. The trees here are covered in tumorous growths, and a scratching noise can be heard throughout the forest. Dorothy ignores Vel and sits down. Hands burst from the trees all around her. Vel tells Dorothy it's okay. The trees aren't looking to inflict any kind of pain, but instead are looking only for love. She doesn't come right out and say these are the souls of the suicides, but she mentions the hands long to feel the human love they never felt for themselves. As they progress, they approach an even bigger tree. This one is different in that it has no leaves and is not covered in tumorous growths. Instead, there is only one large woody cyst at the base of it. It breaks open and a young girl emerges from it. And just like the man at the river's edge before, Dorothy feels a strange emotional connection to this child but she can't explain why. Also, like the encounter with the man at the river, Dorothy begins to scream. She apologizes profusely. But once again, even though the words are carrying great pain and big emotions, they seem to lack clarity in her mind. She doesn't know what she's sorry for, but she knows she's truly sorry. She knows she's guilty of something. Or at least feels guilty of something. The little girl delivers a mysterious message to Dorothy, telling her not to feel sorry and offering forgiveness. These vague glimpses into who Dorothy is and what skeletons might be lurking in her closet Are something I feel very strongly about. When I sat down to write Darker Days, I knew I wanted more depth than the previous story. I'm sure I've mentioned it before, but I always felt like there was something missing in the first book. It was kind of a personal experiment, and it was less about depth and more about achieving some kind of personal goal. For this, I wanted to reach further into the hearts and minds of the characters and really give them everything they were missing before. The mystery that's building here is going to pay off in spades, I promise. So don't give up just yet. I pulled Darker Days from Amazon a while back, and as of this recording, I've not restored it. For the very few of you out there that have the physical book, you know how close or how far we are from the end. For those listening to the podcast, I want to assure you there is, in fact, an end. And all these loose ends and big questions will be tied up and answered. So, for reference, as far as chapters go, The Dark Wood is chapter 28 of 82. Also, the Inferno stuff doesn't extend all the way to the end of the book. It's not that long of a poem. The last canto of the Inferno is covered in chapter 49. If I missed something, failed to address something you feel I should have, or goofed on my summary of Dante's Inferno, Which, of course, is always a possibility. Let me know. I'm always open to questions, comments, or constructive criticism. You don't have to like this show. I'm not sure why you're listening if you don't. But like it or not, you can be nice. I know you can. Because I believe in you. You can always get in touch with me at darkdaysofdorothygale at outlook.com. DarkDorothyG on Twitter and TikTok. Alternately, you can find me as The Ordinary Sun, that's S U N, on Twitter, TikTok, and Instagram. Of course, if social media isn't your jam, there's always the official Dark Days website. DD of dg.com. You can also find links to t shirts and stickers and stuff there as well. Darker Days of Dorothy Gale used to be on Amazon as an ebook and in paperback form. But at the time of this recording, the podcast is the only way to experience it. If you would like to support the show, buying a t-shirt or sticker or something really is the coolest way to go about it. If you want to support my specific brand of creativity in a more direct financial way, you can find me at buymeacoffee.com slash ordinary son. Again, that's S-U-N. If you do, I'll send you a handwritten thank-you note, complete with a sketch. And if you'd like, I'll even give you a shout-out on this wildly obscure show. If you don't want to donate, that's understandable, and that's okay. I'm happy to do this either way. So come back next week for Chapter 29 of Darker Days of Dorothy Gale, The Golden City of Usera Thanks for listening. I love you all.